Welcome to the Wayward Lasses All the Things podcast. In this podcast, we explore all the things that we have battled with and triumphed over along our own health and wellness journeys. Our goal is to provide real content for real women at every age and stage in life and to bring encouragement and community to all of our Wayward Lasses out there. Are you ready to make a change and start your journey to becoming the best version of yourself? You've come to the right place. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Wayward Lasses All the Things podcast. I'm your host, Amy, joined by my co-hosts and daughters, Courtney. Hello. I'm back. Yay! (laughs) And Brittany. Hey, guys. So... The idea for this week's podcast episode came from a book that I actually started reading, and it's called Life is Messy, and it's by New York Times bestselling author Matthew Kelly. So what he does is he starts off his book by saying that life isn't a color within the lines exercise, but rather it's a wild and outrageous invitation to uncertain outcomes. So what we're going to be talking about is life as it relates to being broken whether it's a broken relationship, broken institutions, broken families, or even our own broken selves. But before we begin, we're going to keep with tradition and do some trivia and test your knowledge of, I think actually we're going to go off a little track here and just do movies. Is that correct? Uh, No, I changed my mind because I couldn't (laughs) find movies that I knew that you, the both of you would know. I was stressing about this. I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh, Brittany knows this, but mom doesn't. So, all right, I'm going to go with Outlander. Does that work for you guys? Yes. Works. Outlander? All right. Mm -hmm. So, did you guys know actually that Outlander is based on books? Did you know Mm -hmm. that? Yes. Did you know? What's her name? Bryn? Brynna? Um, So, that's the first question I have. Who wrote the books? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was her name no. is Diana. Oh, Gabaldog. It Gabaldog. says it's Diana. Oh, Gabagol. Is that what you said? Gabagol. 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 It's a Gabagol. Gabagon. Yeah. Gabagol. Gabaldon. Gabaldon. I don't know. Gabaldon. Oh. How many okay. books are there? Do you guys know how many books there are? Seven. Seven. No. Five. No. No. More than seven? Close. You were close. Eight? Eight. Okay. There are eight. Yes. So hopefully eight seasons. Darn. Um, Okay. What are the first and last names of the two main characters as of season one? When we're introduced to them in season one. What are their names? Jamie. Jamie Frazier. Jamie Frazier. No. And then uh, Claire. Claire. What's her last name? What's the first letter? Yeah, give me the first letter. R. Ravenport. <laughs> it's her. It's her husband's last name that I the know, show. The show starts. Name. She's married to. Oh my gosh! Because isn't that his name when he's back? Jim, yeah. James. Oh my gosh! gosh really <laughs> last L's. letter. What's the last letter? L. Rachel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Randall. 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 Oh, Randall 
that's right. Uh, We're terrible I'm taking it back to season one, though. This is season uh, one, so her name is okay. no longer Claire Randall. It's Claire um, Fraser. Fraser. Uh, so what... Okay. These two kind of go hand in hand. So when you're first introduced to the story in season one, what year is it? Where does the story begin in what year? Gordy. Give me a roundabout. I'll give you give me a decade. Uh twenty eleven. What? <gasps> I know you said decade. I'm saying 2011. 2011. Ooh, when she first goes back in time. No, we said she opening goes back in time. Episode one. Oh. Where oh. is she? What, She's what in England. 18, 1825. No, okay. it's 19. Context. What was 1924. Oh, she was a nurse. And what were at war? 1940s. Yes, right. 1945. World two. War II. And happen? then what year does she travel to? Oh, shoot. 1770. It was 500 years, wasn't it? <laughs> no. It's 200 years. Yeah. 1742. Close. 1743. All right. One more question. This is testing your season one knowledge. So when she first arrives, what castle is she taken to? His, right? What was the name of it? I know. Oh, my gosh. Will it be? uh... And you have to say it with a Scottish accent. Scottish. Can I have the first letter? L. This is Lollybag. 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 You've got it. Lollybag. Castle Leoch. 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 L-E-O-C. Castle Leoch. We're terrible fans. Castle Point out, we mainly like the show because of the eye candy. Not so much the storyline. I like the storyline. I mean, it's a good storyline, but I come back for sale. last one. Ready? Last one. Yeah. When she's at Castle Leoch, who do the Scots believe Claire may be? They give her a hard time because they think she might be a uh, British spy. British, yeah. Yes. Yay, you guys got one. <laughs> An English spy. Very good. Excellent. Yes. Those, are, those are the questions. Jolly good. Sorry. Jolly good. Jolly good. So that only brought me to the realization that I really – didn't should rewatch season one. I wasn't invested, like Brittany says, when she watches these shows. I'm invested when I watch, right? Brittany, were you invested when you watched? Because I thought so. I mean, episode <laughs> one was a little slow, but yeah. after, at the end of episode one, it, it, I was like, okay, I could do this. Yeah, and this was years ago. I feel no, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was last probably, year. I started I last year. <laughs> Was it last year? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if you started it four years ago, but I did not. Didn't you binge watch last it last year? year? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Mm-hmm. During quarantine. Right. <laughs> yes. Having a hard time keeping up with the years Oh, no. Now. Maybe it wasn't last what year. I've it was done. 2020. It was during quarantine 2020. So that was when I binged. Lots of times. Oh. All right. And also the realization that I'm not a big as big a fan as I thought I was. <laughs> You need to go I mean, back and ask questions uh, from like episode one season or episode two well, season I mean, one. So, I mean, give yourself some slack. All right. Okay. I'll give myself slack some slack. But you should go back and rewatch it. For I you, am, it looks actually. like you've got like golden curtains behind you. That's exactly what you what's behind me. Yeah. Remember why for Emma's you, birthday? Why are you in front of a, uh, so, why uh, is it set up? 
Uh, it's because just a little blurry, though. I just thought it'd be a nice little spedazz. I, I love glitter. Spedazz. Yeah, okay. and, you know, I just thought I'd set up my space a little. All right. I like it. Is this like your recording area? I love it. Yes, it's very <laughs> nice, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's let's get into it. So I don't know about you, but life for me is never dull. There's always something happening. Someone needs to be somewhere. Someone needs to have something. Bills need to be paid. Uh, dinner needs to be made, right? And so forth and so on. And as we journey through life, we interact with other people and we begin to realize that there are differences between us and other people. Whether it's how we think, how we approach something, what we believe in, what our moral compasses are. And because there are so many moving parts, so many actors in our lives, there's always this chance that something's not going to go as planned. And there's so much uncertainty. And in our culture today, we're always on the run, right? People want things now, and they don't want to expend any energy or effort into something if they can't get it right away. And so what we start to see is this thought or behavior of throwing away something that's broken or giving up on something or someone if it doesn't meet our expectations from the onset, right? Or so, bring you immediate satisfaction. Gratification. Satisfaction. Gratification. Yeah, gratification. Yeah, exactly. So it's that, uh, you know, I've, I've seen this paradigm shift over the last 10 years. So this is where our discussion takes off. So what I thought I would do is just throw some questions out there. And as our listeners are listening, I want you guys to also think of the way that you would answer these questions. Okay. So actually, before I go into that, just one thing that I wanted to comment on is, remember how we're raised, our environment, our genetic makeup, these all contribute to how we approach a given situation. And oftentimes we're faced in situations that require us, require us to just stop, take a step back, breathe, assess the situation, and then apply wisdom and thought rather than you just react, right? You react with emotion or you sometimes say things that you don't mean because you don't take that time to just stop, step back, breathe, and assess the situation. Just wanted to put that out there. So now I'm going to ask you ladies these questions, and then we'll go from there. So the first question is, what are your thoughts that our culture tends to throw away things that are broken? Now, I'm, I'm just speaking very broadly. So if you want to be specific about something, then you can. Otherwise, you can keep it um, general. Who wants um, to go first? I'll go. Um, this is kind of based off of what you said before the questions of just how you've noticed a paradigm shift in the way culture is. If people, if it's too hard, they don't want to work for it. And that's definitely what I saw as a teacher. And towards my, my later years in teaching, if they couldn't find the answer right away and if they had to work hard for it, it was like this huge struggle and huge battle to get them in there. It was the the amount of students who are genu generally interested in learning and discovering and, and going through that whole process is becoming slimmer and slimmer. And I think it's because of our access to the internet and our ability to look up something immediately and right away. And especially as a Spanish teacher, you can't just look up the answer online. You had to translate. And even mm -hmm. using a Google translator, it wouldn't translate things properly. I would have kids do that all the time. I'm like, 
uh, how do you know this word? I never taught that to you. And how are you ending that verb and that, you know, with that ending? Because that's a tense that you don't even learn for another couple of years. Like, I know you clearly cheated on this. Yeah. And it's more of, well, I just had to get the assignment done. And it's, I definitely agree with you that, that there is definitely a, a change, a shift in our culture. And I think it's definitely hitting the, the younger generations of that. If it's too hard to do and I can't find it immediately, yeah. um, I don't want to work hard for it. But on the flip side though of that, it it was important for me to reflect as a teacher to be like, okay, if they don't want to work hard for this, maybe I need to do some reflection and how do I make it more interesting for them to want to work hard to get mm-hmm. these types of things. So just wanted to kind of talk towards that. And I totally forgot your question. <laughs> what are your thoughts that our culture tends to throw away things that are broken? I think that's definitely true. I mean, why why keep something if you can just buy a new one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. How about but, you, Court? What do you think? Sorry, I just cut you off there, Britt. No, it's okay. It went off topic, so. No worries. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with Brittany um, and everything that she said. And that um, <laughs> I think, though, that especially in America, we are um, like we're at consumerism at its peak. Like we just consume, consume, consume. And we have a very what's in it for me yeah. attitude. That's exactly right. Um, and if it's not helpful to me, then I don't need it in my life. And so I'm just going to get rid of it. And I think that the unfortunate thing is sometimes that does trickle into something like a relationship where, oh, mm-hmm. this isn't benefiting me. So goodbye. Yep. Or um, <clears throat> really anything, friendships, relationships. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's unfortunate that that's where we're at. But um, I think we're a bit spoiled sometimes that we have so yeah. much available to us, especially in this country. Um, I don't think that um, people in third world countries would throw away something if it was broken. And in fact, we've talked about this before, mom, about how like our grandma, your mom (laughs) often um, saves everything. And we make fun of her about it. But the truth is she grew up in a country where she didn't have a lot. She was the oldest of 10 and they saved everything because they didn't have the money to buy, you know, everything anything they had from hand me down clothes to dishes to whatever she will, she will not throw anything away. And I don't think that's because she wants those things. I think it's just a, a thing that was someone ingrained could in use her. It. Right. Someone could use it. And it's so funny because like, Brittany, I don't know if I even told you this, but I, I sprained my ankle and um, I, the doctor is like a little off topic, but it goes to show you that sometimes it's good to save things. Um, and the doctor was like, yeah, you know, you should get a boot, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's like, you know, $500. And I was like, ah, I'll just wrap it up. Walk, in an it, ease bandage. walk it off. Walk it off. It'll be fine. <laughs> just, it's an angle. And I was telling this to mom and she was like, oh, I've got one. I was like, you have a boot? And she was like, yeah, one. And because she, whatever, rolled her ankle a couple years yep. ago. And so she saved it. And it, it, yeah. it, she gave it to me. There you go. So, <laughs> but, you know, we would sometimes make fun of people like that. Like, mom, what are you going to do with a boot? I mean, I guess that may be a little extreme because you could always break your ankle or, or sprain your ankle again. So maybe I wouldn't throw out a boot. But that just trying to help it make my point, you know? 
Yeah. And you also um, benefited from my glasses. Yes. That was the other thing. Mom glasses. Had. Yeah, because I had an eye infection. I had to throw out my contact lens. This is my bit, guys. This has been my past two weeks. Okay. <laughs> I also had an eye infection on top of my sprained ankle, and I couldn't get a doctor's appointment right away. And so I had to take my contact lenses out, and I didn't have glasses because one of my children, who shall not be named, Kai, broke it in half. <laughs> and so I had. Yeah. He was like, mommy, you just snapped them in half. And so I had no glasses, no contacts. I, my vision is really bad. I had to drive my kids around and I was like, I don't know what to do. And mom, I was like, wait, mom, didn't you used to wear glasses? And she had LASIK. When did you have LASIK? How many years ago? Like 10. Oh, over 10. Yeah. Yeah. So she hasn't needed glasses for 10 years and she saved them. And I actually, I have them now. They have been a lifesaver for me. <laughs> Because we happen to be the exact same prescription, and I used oh it until I was able to get. So it's good. Don't throw things away, guys. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. I'm that way. I'm like I'm like a hoarder. I've gotten better. But I'm just like, oh, I can't go. I can't throw that away. It has sentimental value. Or what if somebody needs this weird looking sweater one day? I'm the yeah, same. Yeah, my whole way. thing is like I can't throw things away if I don't know what it is. Because I'm like, I don't know what this is to, but I know the minute I throw it away, I'm going to figure out what this is for and I'm going to regret this moment. So I'm just going to keep it. So I have a drawer of things. I have no idea what they are, but they're just in there. That's funny. (laughs) Screws and weird attachments. I don't know what they are, but I have them. I think back to your original – go ahead, mom. Oh, no. Go ahead. I was saying, I think back to your original like question, we could also interchange the word broken for like – that maybe the things that people think are worthless or have no value right. doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be broken. It could just be something that you know they're not interested in or don't see the value of yeah. it. Yeah, right. But it comes down to the whole: if if this isn't beneficial to me, I don't need it. I don't need it's, it. Yeah, it's, it's and then yeah. And then also on the flip side, depending on what it is, because this could be so many things, if it doesn't bring value to me, I'm just going to get rid of it. But what if you actually put some focus on that? It could actually bring value to other people or help somebody right. else out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a couple things to say about that. So the first thing that I wanted to say is think about your grandfather. So Papa, right? Um, he and Mama actually represent the boomers, okay? And a lot of them were raised in the Depression um, at during depression, right? So they naturally wouldn't throw things away or they would save things, right? So if you guys remember with Papa, how often did he use like um, duct tape? Duct tape, <laughs> <laughs> hold something together, right? Or like core to like piece things together. Oh, everything was like <laughs> randomly MacGyvered together. He would have used duct tape as band aids if we would have let him. Be fine, just throw some duct tape on it. Yeah, just throw duct tape on it. Put some windex um, on it. Windex. Yeah, so yeah, he he is definitely someone I think about or think of when I think of something that's broken. He will not throw it out. He will mm-hmm. tape it together or like you said, duct tape it or wire it together, um, which actually now brings me to, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Kintsugi art. It's Japanese uh, art form. Where they actually, if something's broken, like a vase or a vase or a bowl, what they actually would do is they would would mix gold dust. Look it up. It's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I art. So they would take gold dust with glue. They'd mix that all together. 
They'd pick up the broken pieces and they would glue it back together. And essentially what this art form was really teaching is that everybody is each other's wounded healer, right? They don't throw things away. They don't pretend that the vase was never broken. They don't pretend that life is not messy because when you talk about pretending to be a certain way, right? What essentially you're doing is you're hiding the person that you are because you are fearful that people are going to discover that you're not this person, right? Who you think so, who you say you are. Yeah. But Sorry. so in our disposable culture, if we break a vase, we throw it away, we buy a new one, right? That's just how people are nowadays. You you can easily replace something. But with this type of art form, it actually allows us to maintain this illusion that, you know, life is not messy, right? Um, but I have a look at that, the Kintsugi art. I, I just thought that was actually pretty interesting that they don't throw away broken things and they use this gold dust and glue. And it actually looks pretty. Just wanted to throw that out there to you guys. I just realized I was on mute. Um, oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm saying something, hear me. <laughs> um, I actually just looked it up. I I have seen that before. I didn't know it was that. It's really cool. Yeah. I just, um, in reality, I am not skilled to put broken pieces back together with shards of gold. But I can take, I see the value. I see the value of, of trying to piece things back together in other areas of life, for sure. Yeah. Yep. All right. So how about our second question? So what are your thoughts about society being accepting of individuals who are broken, who've made mistakes, right? Um, what do you guys, what are your thoughts on that? We are not accepting at you all. Have you ever heard of cancel culture? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Cody, do you want to go first? No, go ahead. Me? Okay. Um, so I had in my classroom um, the definition of diversity, which I really want to look up right now. But I had like this long definition just talking about like, you know, we accept people for their different socioeconomic backgrounds, their religion, their um, race, ethnicity. Like that's, that is, that is diversity is, is being accepting of all of those different types of things. And what I had them do is, you know, we would have a conversation about that um, and differences and being accepting and not that you have to be okay with it, but, but not um, make putting people down and making them feel bad for the things that they believe. And if they believed in this statement and they, and they um, wanted to take a stand essentially and hold up that definition of diversity within my classroom, um, they got to trace their hand, decorate it, put their name on it, and they stapled it on my back wall. And I don't know if I ever showed you guys pictures, but I had hundreds of hands all across the back oh, wow. wall. And it was really cool when I actually left the classroom and took them all down. You know, I t- every, took every single Aww. one down. I remembered all of their names and remembered who they were. But it was like this nice little thing to get together and do that. And if something were to happen in the classroom and they would make fun of somebody, I'd be like, uh, your hand's back there. Do you want to take it down? Like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. But, um, oh, wow. it, I, but I had to be taught though. Um, 
to to understand that people are different and it's okay that people are different and it's okay to accept those differences. It's not okay to treat people differently or treat them badly because of these types of differences. And like I said, that was something that I needed to specifically teach my students how to do. And when it comes to like our culture in general of being accepting of the of di- people who are different, I don't think we're accepting at all. Like there's mm-hmm. a huge division either politically, if you're left or right, or what religion you are, or when mm-hmm. 9-11 happened, if you were Muslim, or if you were mm-hmm. brown at all, it was a, a terrible time to to be alive in big cities where we were living. Anytime something happens, I feel like our culture always tries to find something or someone to blame. And when it comes to that someone, we find some sort of group Whoever that group is, whatever their identity is, however they identify, whether it's political, religious, race, race, ethnicity, whatever you want, there's always, um, what is it called? The goat, black goat, black sheep? Black sheep. Black sheep, sheep, yes. Black sheep (laughs) that that we choose, not we like you and me, but like, like our society chooses to backlash on. Mm-hmm. And that that's just kind of how it is. And if I didn't take the time to teach that in my classroom and, and these kids were never really taught those things, yeah, um, it would never happen. And like I actually just saw something, I think it's in Indiana, where they're trying to ba- pass a bill where teachers have to have their lesson plans ready ahead of time and parents will have the ability to review <laughs> review the curriculum and have the, have the option to opt their kids out of certain <laughs> lessons if they don't agree what's being taught. Wow. I'm just like, what is going what, on? Yeah, what's happening? Yeah. I can keep going, but Courtney, go ahead. <laughs> wow. No, yeah. <laughs> no, that is crazy. I think if, that, if that's ever the situation, just pull your kid out of school and homeschool them. You can't pick and choose what you want your teacher to teach them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because there are things in public schools that I disagree with and I don't want taught to my kids, but that you have to take the time at home to teach them. I always say like a parent is the child's first teacher. So what you were just talking about, Brittany, that's learned behavior. People aren't just, go ahead. Like like we've talked about before, not many parents are like you or like you, mom, when we were taught those types of things. These kids are left on their own to fend and to learn from TV shows or video games and social media. Exactly. And and if that stuff is not – like it baffles my mind how parents could just give their – and I'm talking about like little kids because I know I am, I am, I love the tablet. I love that. (laughs) You know, it gives me a minute. But I'm talking about – I know what they're watching. Um, and if I see they're not watching something I, I, I like, I will turn it off. But how there are parents who can't or aren't home or whatever, and their kids are watching God knows what. Yeah. Um, and then they're surprised when they develop these weird ideologies. But I was just going to say, like, my daughter, she she never, ever will say to me, that person is not my friend because they look different. That person mm-hmm. is not my friend because they, um, you know, whatever it is, because they they have a different religion or they have different – it's always because of how that person treats her. So mm-hmm. if somebody treats her mean, no, I don't want to play with her because she was mean to me. It's never, well, you know, her hair is weird or she's, she's she doesn't believe in Jesus or none of that. So right. that starts at the home. And that's, I think, right. the shift that has to happen is 
even though it's hard for working parents, when you have conversations with your kids, have meaningful conversations with your kids. Don't just treat them like they're a burden and you can't be bothered. Invest in whatever time you get to spend with them. Invest in learning about what are they learning? What are they exposed to? Because it starts in the home. It really does. A lot of these kids, by the time they graduate high school, it's already ingrained in their minds. And then they have to do they have to do the hard work of undoing all of this, all of this damaging, you know, stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's unfortunate, but what was the question? (laughs) Do you you tend to agree that there is a, uh, I'm sorry. What are your thoughts about society uh, being accepting of individuals who've made mistakes? Yeah. So the, the, what I was saying before was cancel culture, um, which is, Unfortunately, I think also used to um, push certain agendas, like especially what we've seen in politics the past few years. We won't talk about politics, but I have seen certain people in politics get um, blacklisted because maybe they were going to bring about change that people disagreed with. And so all of a sudden, the mistake from their past 10 years ago pops up and now that person has to be canceled and can't run for office or whatever it is because of something, a mistake they made 10 years ago. That's an extreme but um, I do think that perfection, it's, it's one end or the other. It's either you have to be perfect or you should celebrate your mistakes. There's not a, a healthy balance. You know? Well, what are I your think, thoughts? I think I'm pretty naive then. <laughs> <laughs> I live in a bubble and I wear rose-colored glasses. Oh. Uh, <laughs> wow. I, I, I think um, my perspective, and maybe it's just me and how I approach things, but – I think people have intentions or good intentions or uh, with accepting people, right, who've made mistakes, but what they actually think and how they actually act and behave are two different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what it boils down to. And and it's really in your action. So you say that you're accepting. Well, how are you acting? How how are you showing that you're accepting of somebody who's of a different religion? You know, are you constantly having discussions with them where you're just putting down what they believe in? Or if it's a different culture, are you continually questioning on a negative in a negative way? Well, why do you celebrate that? Or why do you do that tradition? Or, you know, those types of things. But go ahead. No, I was going to say, but if you're talking specifically about mistakes, make it real personal. Somebody did something to offend you, to hurt you, made a mistake to you personally that affected your life. Um, how are you reacting to that? And how does society teach you to react to that? A lot of times so, it's forgiveness, right? Half, yeah. half of the time mm-hmm. it's forgiveness, mm-hmm. but that forgiveness doesn't come. Well, I, I shouldn't say that either. It's forgiveness or it's, you don't need that person in your life. Get them out. Yeah. I, no, I think that's the easier play, right? Yeah. I don't have time for you. It's too difficult to spend time to try and fix this relationship. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're done. You're done. Done. Right. Yeah. All right. I think, this- sorry, I'm just I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna pray off that one second because I'm just thinking about because we're talking about what society and what culture we could talk about what the three of us individually believe, but I think a lot of times what we talk about here isn't representative of what the majority of people think. Yeah. Right? I, I I tend to agree with that too. And when you look at something like a TV show. Um, you'll see, you know, like something on the Disney channel, one kid does something to offend the other kid and, 
you know, that kid is broken and upset. And then for some, somehow, some way, the bully gets this epiphany that they were wrong and comes to the person and apologizes and fixes everything. That's not reality. That's special (laughs) Disney channel (laughs) cartoons that we, you know what I mean? And so that doesn't, that's not going to prepare your kids. Great. It's showing them that there can be conflict and that bullies are real and that you should be kind, but we're not teaching healthy conflict resolution and critical thinking and those kinds of things to, to our kids. I think that's what's missing. And society too, not just our kids, but like most people don't have the ability to resolve conflict in a healthy way. (laughs) No, it's pretty scary It's easier to just be like, no, you're a bad person. I don't like what you think. You've made this mistake. You've made your point and I don't want you in my life. So we're going to. I mean, that even happens. That even happens sometimes in our family. It's gotten better, but like, um, depending on who you're talking to, if you say something and how you feel like it, you're speaking to like a stone wall mm-hmm. essentially. And it's, it, and it, ha- it could happen to me sometimes and you're talking to me and I'm like, I'm, I'm steadfast in my ways. And a lot of people in our family are very strong that way. And for many times I've tried to have conversations with people. This is, it's, it's definitely gotten better over time because I know how to approach things now. Um, it's like you, there's no talking to this, this person. It's, this is the way this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. Um, and there's no other way. And you're not going to uh, change that for me. And this is why you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens to a lot of people. And I think if if we, if we I've experienced that in our own family, imagine yeah. what other people's families are like. And if that's how they're being raised in situations that they're around. And anytime they try to have these conversations or have the opportunity to learn how to deal with differences or talk things out, this is the kind of reaction they're getting. Of course, they're not going to get it. You know, they're not going to be able to use that in, in real life situations. Right. Yeah. And then it turns into this, I'll do me, you do you. And it becomes yeah. this individualistic thing. And society is not meant to be individualistic. We're meant to be community. We, we need yeah. each other to build each other up, to support each other, to love one another. And I think that that's, that's the shift that has to happen is we have to go from a me to a we mentality. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I could say so much about that. But that's a different, different topic. <laughs> different topic for another day. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Do you tend to agree that there is a paradigm shift in the way that we think about relationships? Yes. I Very agree. broad, again, question there. I – so I can take one aspect of it. And because I'm a woman, talk about it from a female perspective just in the past 50, 60 years. I think Mm. in the 1950s, we'll start with, um, you know, when you had your feminist movements in the beginning, you know, the first waves of feminism were so important because we were fighting for just rights to have as women, right? And so women went from being seen and not heard to now having voting rights and, you know, having having a voice. Then we're going to fight for equality. Right now, no, not only are we going to have a voice, but now we want to be equal. Now we've gone to the other end where we are above men and we don't need a man. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. it went from I'm nothing without a man to I'm equal to who needs men. Yeah. And again, just speaking as a woman, I'm sure a man could give us a whole nother point of view on this. So just speaking as a woman. And so I think in relationships, now, if you come into a relationship with that sort of mentality, you are 
setting yourself up for disaster or for unhealthy things to happen in this relationship. If I walk into a relationship already knowing that I'm not going to change anything about myself, I am who I am, take it or leave it, you're in for a rude yeah. awakening because relationships yeah. aren't that. Yeah. You know? So yep. that's, yeah. You know, we only got the right to vote 100 years ago. Mm hmm. 1920. Yep. Wow. That was 100 years ago, right? Yeah. That's like a person and a half ago. <laughs> I love that analogy. It's like a person and a half ago. <laughs> I think Joe Rogan said it. He's like three people ago, there were slaves. <laughs> That's not that long ago. Yeah. It's not that long ago. There are still I slaves. There are still yeah. slaves, just not, you know, legally. Yeah. And I agree with you, Court. I think there there's been such a crazy shift in the past, like decade or so of, of changing that of like the whole mm-hmm. me too movement and all these things that are happening that um i don't even even know how to properly probably say i'm like i'm happy right here where i am <laughs> you know i i think things are going just like you said mom i'm i'm in my bubble when it comes to this yeah. particular thing i definitely see the inequalities and i see what's happening but um the spectrum of it all mm-hmm and, and where people lie on that spectrum. And just like you were saying earlier, whoever said it earlier, it's are you trying to just have the conversation with people or are you forcing it down someone's throat? Like, this is mm-hmm. what needs to happen. This is the way it yeah. should be. This and yeah. this and that. On you know, on the flip side, I'm so glad that um, women are starting to feel independent and that they can do things on their own because for so long we haven't been able to. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time with that, you know, I'm going to do this all on my own. I'm an independent woman. Then you throw a kid into the mix Doing being a single parent, I don't know if you guys watched The Maid on Netflix. It was really good. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. You know, being a, it was really good. So she was essentially in a relationship with her boyfriend, and uh, she was going to go off to college, but she ended up getting pregnant, and he handled all of the bills. She just stayed home all day with the kid, and he became abusive, so she left, and she had nothing. She had no phone, really. She had no money to her name. She didn't have a job, and so she left and started to figure out how to do all of this on her own, open up a bank account, you know, get a car, get a job, all of these things, and all the things, um, but uh I, I can see society being like, well, you're a strong, independent woman. You know, this is what you wanted. Now you're a single mother. Go figure it out on your own. This is what you wanted. There, there's just got to be like a happy balance, I think. There's always such – there's the, the far extremes of the spectrum. Yeah. And I think that's how we are as a culture. And it's very difficult for us to come together and just be in the happy medium and accept people for the differences and, and live in that acceptance. Yeah. 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 And I'm – I'm just going to keep going with that because I apparently have a lot to say about this. Um, <laughs> but going back to TV, because I really feel like TV is raising this generation. Um, like if you ever watch a sitcom or any type of TV, the father or the man in the relationship I'm is always idiot. portrayed as a buffoon, <laughs> a complete moron, yep. and yep. cannot do anything without the wife and anything without the mom. And yep. it's funny and we laugh at it because sometimes that feels true. Speaking mm-hmm. as a mom of three who, you know... <laughs> My husband used to, before he worked from home, would go to work every day. And so it plays off of real emotions and real situations. But now what that's doing also is it's diminishing the role of the father figure in the home. And now Mm -hmm. this is what my sons are watching. 
So now they're yeah. seeing this strong female character and dad is lazy and just sits around all day and does nothing. And mom is responsible for everything. And so yeah. if I don't show them a good example at home of what an equal, what it looks like to have an equal partnership with my husband and how we yeah. both take care of the home and we both take care of you, we both take care of the bills, you know, then they're going to grow up thinking that this is going to be okay. My wife will handle everything. She belongs in the kitchen. She belongs in the home with the kids and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll just sit around and she can cater to me. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's going off a little bit, but I think that TV and and like we're talking about society and culture and how that is um, affecting our points of view and our paradigm. And as we as it, we talk about relationships, I think that that's crucial. Is paying attention to what is being fed to them through the TV. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that's also affected the way. Um, how how there's this paradigm shift in the way we think about relationships is nowadays both parents are working mm-hmm. right um and we also now see this shift with i've i've experienced it a few times now um working for the state of north carolina where women are now going to hr because they are doing the same thing as men are doing and they're getting paid less right so now we're seeing this shift as far as the money that each um, sex is making. So now um, women are making either the same or more than men. Or also think about it this way. I have a few friends that actually the fathers are staying home and taking care of the kids Mm -hmm. while the mothers are out working and earning that paycheck. So think about now the shift that happens there. The mother comes home, she's tired, you know, um, does the father have dinner ready? He's exhausted from watching the kids all day. Mother comes home. Here, here's the kids type of thing. The reverse that happened, you know, maybe 20 years ago with the mother staying home with the kids and the father working. And when he comes home, it's, oh, I'm exhausted. And, you know, here, here are the kids type of thing. So I think these these things have also contributed to the paradigm shift in the way that we think about mm-hmm. relationships today. Yeah, definitely agree. Yes. Right. All right. This is this is probably going to take a few minutes. This one. So, I, I originally had two, but like I said, I figured it was going to take a, a a few minutes to discuss this one. So, share an example where you've experienced something being broken, and what action did you take to resolve it? It's a two parter or a three parter. Tell us when it happened, and then if it happened a while ago, do you think you'd approach it differently? Mm-hmm. Well, I already pre-thought this question and um, I'll just be <laughs> honest. There have been uh, times in mine and Alex's relationship where I thought it was broken. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been together for almost 12 years now and that definitely happens. And we've talked about this in previous episodes where if you don't work on that relationship and get back to, excuse me, <clears throat> the dating part of it or, you know, realizing that, you know, once you fall in love, you're not falling forever. You have to continue to work on that. If you uh-huh. don't do that, you just become two people cohabit- cohabitating the same space and then you you lose that connection if you don't work on it. So there have been times in a relationship where I was like, okay, this is over. Um, I need to start yeah. figuring things out. Um, and, and then taking those steps of like, okay, now what, what, now what am I going to do? But instead, um, you know, I made that commitment for, for me and yeah. saying I do in marriage. It's like, I, I vow to be with you 
till the end, no matter what. So my commitment to you is now, how do I make this work? What can I do to fix things? How can I meet you and your needs? How can we fix this together? Let's talk about it. Let's do everything that we can do to, to salvage this. Um, because that is the commitment that we made to each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. How about you, Court? Um, I did not think about this, Brittany. So I'm not as prepared to answer the question as you are. I, I, you want me to jump in and you could think a little bit more? Um, uh, sure. Yes, go for it. <laughs> so uh, mine kind of falls along the same lines as Brittany, if you haven't guessed. So how would we guess? How would you guess? How would we guess? Talk about broken relationships. So okay. um, obviously I was married before I um, have been married to Steve. I was married to your father. And um, <laughs> yes. news to me. <laughs> yeah. The thing is that um, we actually got married like less than a year after us finishing high school. Okay. <laughs> and we made it last for, I think, like 13 years. Okay. Um, similar to Brittany, uh, you know, there were many times that I thought our relationship was broken. I told you guys, I share this with you, that if we didn't get along every single day, then I thought there was something wrong with our relationship. Granted, I was only 18 when I got married. So my way of thinking was completely not correct at all. So um, we went through our hard times. We had three breakups. Okay. <laughs> and side note with each, with each time we got back together, there was another kid that was born, but in any case, um, we did try, we tried many times to, to make it work, to bring it together. But I think in hindsight, um, obviously not get married that young. Um, that was part of, you know, the mistake that was made, if you will. Um, but I think we really did try to make it work. But uh, another thing that I think played against us is that we were just way too young. We were still trying to figure out who we were as individuals and what we wanted out of life. And, um, you know, we, we got married young. We started having kids very young. By the time I think I was 25, I had my three kids already, you know, so, uh, unfortunately it didn't, it didn't work out. Um, as far as would I do things differently? No, I wouldn't do things differently because I we did. We tried we putting it together. And, yeah. <laughs> you guys wouldn't be here. There would be no um, wayward lasses. <laughs> but yeah, that that's a, um, again, I'm shortening the story, that, but getting the point across that it was something that was broken, tried a few times to put it back together. And sometimes... You know, some just things don't, they, they're just broken, right? Sometimes they yeah. just stay broken. Yeah. I don't even think you didn't even want to get married. Didn't your parents force you to get married? No. Oh. No, they it wasn't that they wrongly suggested. It. Wrongly suggested. <laughs> there, there was no strong suggestion. It was, um, it was just the, that was the expected thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. But now for both of you, um, since you're both talking about broken relationships and stuff, um, part of your question, mom, wasn't it how how did you move forward, right? So we're trying to give our listeners tips on if you find yourself in similar situations. Brittany, you kind of already said like keep dating, 
But like when you are, because I feel like especially in a marriage, um, there's almost nothing more heartbreaking than the idea that something I committed my life to is not going to work or is broken. Um, That's that's life shattering because it's going to either cause you to have to make real changes or it's going to end in a separation that is going to completely uproot your entire life. And so if you're, and, and that's a heartbreaking thing, especially because I feel like in a marriage, even though you can talk to other people about what you're going through, because a marriage is so intimate, it's really yeah. hard for anybody to truly understand. And every marriage is different. So I'm never going to really understand Brittany, what it felt like, or for Alex, what he felt like, or mom or, or dad, you know? And so it's like, anybody listening who may find themselves in any kind of broken relationship and they're broken and they're hurt, like what, what do you do to move forward? You know, we've talked about changing mindset, but are there helpful things that you guys did to help, you know, either reconnect or move on from this hurt? Well, I think counseling came, you know, was something that we turned to, to try and make things work. And that worked Mm -hmm. for a little bit. It worked probably in the first breakup, (laughs) <laughs> but unfortunately, um, you know, trust was broken and trust was broken on both parts. And I think that that's something that's pretty hard to mend. You know, how do yeah. you get that trust back? Sure. Uh, I forgot what the saying is about trust that once it's broken, you know, it, it do you guys remember it's what not that Chinese is? art that you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can't put it back together with glitter and glue. Um, I think that was Japanese is. art. <laughs> yes, oh. it is Japanese. Sorry. Oh, thank you. Excuse me. Stick but, you know, the things that you – things that we did, you know, we tried to go back to how things were before, you know, we – got married, things that we love doing together. And we did a lot of things together in terms of we played softball together. We played volleyball together. We bowled. You know, I went to all his softball games, his baseball. I, we, we were there. I was there. Um, we did everything together. Just I think the fact that the trust was broken, it was so hard to find it again and put it back together. Uh, and, you know, it, it's – you start thinking like, okay, where are you? What are you doing? Where, you know, and, and your mind starts wandering. And then when the person comes home late and, you know, you just look at them it, and it just starts a fight type of thing. And you try and overcome that. And sometimes you can trying to you know, like keep the kids, the focus or trying to go back to how you guys felt about each other before you were married. Uh, and a, I can't say a lot of times that worked. It worked for me three times. <laughs> But the, the final, you know, nail in the coffin, I just, I, 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 for me, I just couldn't go through it again. Um, and I know that's probably not what listeners want to hear. Um, I, I think also a lot of it boils down to maturity. I think I was very immature at that point in my life too. And had I been mature, um, I might look at things differently. Uh, my vows were very sacred to me, but obviously not that sacred enough that vows could be broken and then I can get a divorce, right? So I think a lot of it had to do with immaturity as well. So if that happened now in my life, God forbid, I think I would be able to get past that and work through it and have the conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very difficult. I know I keep ha- keep saying it, but once trust is broken, it's very hard to get it back. 
Yeah. And then from my end, I mean, Alex and I have been together since we were 18 and we're 30, 31 now. Um, So we grew up together. Yeah. Uh, We went through the phase of finding out who we are and the things that we liked and didn't like and and have experienced so many things together that we were there for those crucial points in life. And uh, he understands me and I understand him on a level that nobody else will ever be able to understand because we've gone through that together. And I guess for me, that's not something I'm willing to like give up. Like, for example, if I think of a memory, like it's, it's at the point now where almost every memory is he was there or he was involved yeah. or we were together because we've been together for so long. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think we, oh no, my battery's going to die, my computer. <laughs> Let me finish this last thing. I'm going to run and grab my charger. But, you know, we had, we were texting and I had a friend who was going through some issues with her marriage and they had been together almost 30 years and some things were happening. And I could just tell that she was just heartbroken mm-hmm. because, you know, I was trying, I, you know, I was just trying to listen and, and, and do what I could to give some advice. You know, how am I going to give someone who's been together for 30 years advice on, you know, when I've only been together with my husband together for 12 years. But, um, I, I was just like, I can't imagine how you feel that 30 years of your life feels like it could just go um, down the drain yeah. and it's just gone. You're going to have to figure out how to move. Like I wouldn't be able to accept that. Yeah. And, and we were talking about it and some of the situations that were happening with the whole thing is like, I can see how people be like, you need to leave him. You need to end this. You need to move on. You need to do this. You need to do that. I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I would find it very, very hard to just give up on a commitment for, especially for that long, mm-hmm. um, that I've committed my entire life to that I now have kids with that I've, uh, built my whole life around. Um, yeah. so it does get into a sticky situation. So mom, you're with dad for 13 years, whereas my friend was is with her husband for 30 years. Like every relationship is different. Um, mm-hmm. but like we've talked about in previous podcasts, there are also some things you need to look out for, whether it's like some sort of abuse or violence yeah. or yeah. whatever, that kind of stuff. But there's definitely fine lines and different areas to look out for, but regardless of what it is, even if it is abuse and I've been with someone for 30 years, I'm, I don't, I don't know how I would figure out how to pick up my life and move on. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to go grab my computer charger real quick and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just going to say that I'm glad you clarified that Britt. Cause I think what the whole point of what we were talking about today is that, you know, things aren't just disposable. We can't just throw things away. So we want to make the point that if you're committed to a relationship, you have to put the work in. You shouldn't just think of it as disposable. But on the other end of it, if there is some sort of abuse or unsafe situation, we obviously aren't telling you, stick it out, you know, <laughs> stay yeah. tough. Got it. <laughs> Got this, you know? We obviously don't want anybody We're in unsafe situation. I'm giving a little disclaimer. I am in a in a house right now where everybody is going to bed. And so if I start talking very low, I'm very sorry. <laughs> we can, we're still, your mic, the mics are very good. It's still picking you up. Yeah, I know. Then, so. Um, to continue on that, on the flip side, if it's like a friendship, yeah, right. Um, sometimes if it's broken, it could be because of something that you're doing. What is that? Is that a toy? That is the refrigerator in the room that I'm in. So it's like a little mini bar. So sorry to all <laughs> it our listeners. It sounds like a slot machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like so, I have a lot of 
I have like a handful of really, 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 really good friends. Mm -hmm. And even if we don't talk for a while, we have the kind of relationship where we can just kind of pick up where things left off. But yes, there have been times in my friendships where things seemed like they were broken. Um, But I have the type of personality, like I've said, even with my relationship with Alex, is I don't want to give up on something. Um, So I always... I hope I always, now more than before, will take the time to reflect on it. Like, you know, what can I do? And am I just reaching out to this person because I need them or when I need them? Am I doing anything to nourish this relationship? Is that why it's breaking? Mm -hmm. Um, Am I being a good friend right now? Am I there for that person when they need me? Or, you know, if they come to me for advice or for some help, do I just push them off on the side because I don't have time for them? I mean, there's, there's definitely lots of variables when it comes to that as well. But I think this also goes towards friendships. Yeah, I would agree. I love my friends. If you're listening, you know who you are. (laughs) You do have the greatest friends. They're they're our biggest supporters. So yes, we love you. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, I guess I'll go. I can't think of any broken relationships that I tried to fix. Uh, But (laughs) I can tell you that I myself have been broken many, many times in my life. Yeah. And the the situation that comes to mind when we're talking about um, what we're talking about is I had, I think I've talked about this in one of the earlier podcasts, but I had a time in my life where I was just very angry. Um, and I didn't know it at the time. And only in retrospect we all that I'm it. able, we, everybody knew we it. We all knew it. Everybody knew it. <laughs> And it took it took my friends, two of my closest friends, um, to kind of call me out on it. But in a way, it was a loving way, but it was still a very stern way. Um, and I remember in particular one of my friends like, "You're just so angry. Nobody wants to talk to you. Like every time we try to say anything, you jump down our throats, and you don't want to hear anything anybody has to say. And it's just it's getting to be kind of toxic." And I had been in a couple of you know unhealthy relationships before. And I always thought that I was the one who was a victim of being in a toxic relationship. And now here I am being the, you know, toxic, toxic person. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, you know, I'm not going to say that they spoke to me and it just something clicked and I was like, yes, you're right. You know, no, that didn't, it, we didn't have a Disney channel moment. I got even angrier and stormed off and didn't talk to people for weeks because I was so angry. How could they, you know, whatever. Talk about me like that. Um, And part of me was, you know, I had this reputation of, well, don't say that to Courtney. She'll jump down your throat. She'll, you know, she'll kick your ass. She's, you know, (laughs) she'll hurt you. Um, And part of me liked that. I liked that um, people saw me as tough. Power. People saw me as. People seared you. Yeah, they did. Or I, and I, I, I liked that. And um, it wasn't until, you know, I started actually realizing that my friends were backing away from me. I had a couple of friends in particular that were just like kind of just completely backed out of my life. Um, then I just got sad and I was just very sad all the time. And um, I, like I said, I faced, I had faced rejection in a lot of my, a couple of my other relationships and I didn't realize it then, but I know it now looking back that I was so hurt. And this is funny because we had this, a discussion a couple weeks ago when we were doing the quotes where we were saying angry people are hurt people. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so true for me. I had yeah. been so hurt by so many different people in my life 
that this tough exterior of a shell that I put up was my safety mechanism. It was my way of making sure nobody was ever going to hurt me again. Um, in any in any friendship and in, in a relationship, I was going to protect myself, and I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time. You know, um, yeah. But I know it now, looking back. And one of the things I always did since I was young, since I was a young kid, was I, I've always kept a journal. And I wouldn't necessarily write in it every single day, but when I was feeling particularly emotional, um, I would write. And during this time, I wrote so many different things about my boyfriend at the time, about my friendships at the time, about like all these things. And I still have all of my journals. And I, during quarantine a couple of years ago, I looked back and I read some of them. And it is crazy because it was so it's so evident to me now, looking back and reading that what was going on. Like I, it's clear as day to me what was happening in my life at that time. But while I was in it, I couldn't see it. I couldn't um, I, I couldn't pick up the pieces to to fix anything. So for me, getting out of that that um, cycle of anger and hurt that I was in was I did have to get to a point where I was humble where when one of my, and thank God for the friends. That's why I always like, I'm a firm believer in community because it was my community of people and friends that didn't give up on me that maybe kept their distance, but always checked in, but would always tell me the truth. Wouldn't just tell me what I wanted to hear. And I'm so grateful for those friendships, for those people that were truthful and honest with me, no matter how hard it hurt me to hear that truth because it did weigh down. And eventually I had to listen and I had to be humble and accept that I don't know everything. I'm not right about everything. Um, it's okay for me to ask for help. I'm not seen as weak by asking for help. And I had to be honest with the hurt that I was having. And I had to spend years resolving hurts one by one. Um, and I am kind of proud of myself looking back that I was able to do all of that. But in the moment, um, it just seems like this mountain of mess that you're in. You have no idea how you're going to overcome it. Um, and so my advice to anybody who would find themselves in a situation like me would be just one day and one thing at a time. Tackle one thing at a time, find a friend, find a community of people that are going to hold you accountable. Um, and you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest about your shortcomings. You have to be honest about your brokenness um, and and humble. You know, pride has to go out the window. You can't be prideful. You can't know it all and think you're going to do it your way. Um you have to be willing to put in the practice and know you're going to fall. Like I didn't just magically get better at it. It took years of practice and making the mistakes. And, you know, I thank God I have a husband who was just like my other friends who, who he'll, he has no problem calling me out on it and telling me I need to put myself in check. And I'm grateful for that. Those are the kind of people I need in my life, you know? So yeah. I would say that's, that's my story. Yeah. I think to kind of piggyback off of something you said, I think it's very difficult for people to admit that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, at least for yep. me, sometimes I'm getting better at it, but like to, to take that step back, like you were talking about earlier, mom, before just reacting to take a step back and breathe and to assess the situation and realize that you could be at fault. There are things that you could have done better or can do better. And then re reapproaching it with a different mindset um, of how, of how things could play out. Like I know when I was younger, I would always like rehearse what I would say. And then I would plan out like, well, this is how they're going to react. So this is what I'm going to say. And I did that for a long time. And it was, it took me years to realize that no matter how much I rehearsed, nobody ever said what I thought they were going to say. They would always say something. And I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't plan for this answer. Yeah. Um, 
and it's I think it's very hard to to realize that you could be in a situation or you could be wrong or you might need to ask for help and mm-hmm. it's difficult sometimes to you know get out of the to get out of the mindset you know stuck in your ways yeah yeah if you will I'll say it so, this yeah, way you definitely have made you've definitely changed a lot in that sense because I remember, you know, there was a point where I was like, I'm just not going to talk to her because she's yeah. angry no matter what. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here to see the kid. Uh, <laughs> you can go do your thing. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I definitely, you've definitely come very, very far and I enjoy the relationship that we have now and that we're able Aww. to, you so know, we, we still, we still, we're very honest with each other. Yeah. But I will <laughs> but, say, I guess my point in bringing that story up is the flip side of what we've been talking about. I was broken and I'm glad no one threw me away. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I, if Mm -hmm. I had, if those people in my life would have abandoned me and would have said to themselves, we can't be bothered with this person. I might still be there. It was the accountability of people who love me enough to tell me the truth, even though they may have, they had to set up healthy boundaries. Yes. And we've talked about it over the years, my friends and I, because we've obviously reconciled and we, we are, we have great friendships now, but they did tell me that they had to put up boundaries because I, I was bringing such a toxic energy with me that they had to protect themselves. So it's not as if they just laid it all out there for me to abuse them. And I, you know, um, and not that I was trying to abuse them, but you know, it, it can be difficult when you're dealing with a person that's always negative and it's always just anger and you're walking on eggshells. Um, yeah. This sounds familiar to anything we've talked about recently, guys. But anyway, um, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, point is coming from somebody who you know, who was broken. I'm grateful that I was worth it for somebody to not throw me away. And so consider that guys, Mm -hmm. my story when you are, I think, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, just when you are, when you are considering throwing that friendship away, I understand that boundaries are necessary when it's, when it is necessary, but you know, consider that you're a kind word or an honest truth that you speak Mm -hmm. to somebody could really change your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's full circle back on mom's like original questions of how like our society has changed and all of that. Like if we could all be like that and realize that if we didn't give up on someone or something, mm-hmm. it really could have pulled somebody out of a bad situation. Yeah. And maybe that's all they needed. They just mm-hmm. needed that support. Yeah. Wow. This is a great topic, guys. Great discussion. Good. Thank you Good so job, much mom. for sharing your stories with us. So To our listeners, life is messy. We are all broken or have experienced some type of brokenness in some way or another, but it doesn't make us any less lovable. If you come across somebody who's broken or a situation that you feel may be broken, don't be quick to judge, right? Take a step back, breathe, assess the situation because you never know what somebody may be going through, right? So I'm going to call on one of you guys to actually close us out for the night. Who wants to take it? Courtney, you weren't here last week. Take it away. That she was going to call on somebody and then said, who wants to do it? (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting to be called on. I was going to do that this time. Anyway, sure. That's fine. That's good. Um, But thank you guys so much for taking the time to be with us today. Please continue to support us by subscribing to our podcast as well as rating us on Apple and Spotify. If you love this episode, please share this on your Instagram stories and tag us at wayward underscore lessons. And 
if you are not following us on Instagram, what Hi. are you doing? <laughs> I was waiting. I didn't know if you guys were going to do it. I waited a second. I got scared. There was a little delay. Um, anyway, so if you're not following us on Instagram, what are you doing? Follow us so that you can stay up to date on the tips, tricks, and short stories that we share. Or send us some love on our Wayward Lasses Facebook community. And don't forget, if there is a topic you'd love for us to cover, email us at waywardlasses at gmail.com. And don't forget about our website, guys. Check us out. Our bios are on there. You can listen to our podcasts on there. And we have some great resources for you guys. That is www.waywardlasses.com. Brett, you want to take us away? I will. I will. (laughs) Thanks again, guys, for joining us. We hope that your year is going super well, super strong. We're here for you. We love you guys. Thank you for your continued support. Until next time, we are the Wayward Lasses reminding you to keep it real. Bye. Bye. Stay classy. (laughs) Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for stopping by. (laughs)